0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz bassist and composer Eric Rivas. We spoke with him on August 27, 2020, during uncertain COVID-19 times about quite a bit, like his latest 2020 CD, Slipknot's Through a Looking Glass. It is his eighth solo-led album and his first release on Pyroclastic Records, Exploring New Territory. He is one of the most talented and accomplished musicians of his generation. This Grammy award-winning musician has firmly established himself as a very important voice in the world of jazz. His journey is stellar. Get to know him.
1: Hey, thanks for taking a minute out for neon jazz during a very strange and surreal time on the planet.
2: Yes, it's it's, uh, unlike anything any of us have, (laughs) have experienced.
1: Yeah, it's wild, man as well. But you got a wonderful new album, Flipknots through a looking glass. Talk to me first of all what it's like to release an album during a pandemic.
2: Um it's it's different in in as much that usually when, when you release something it's in conjunction with uh you know the uh, live playing situations. You know, it's like so you have release gigs or the album is a calling card for a body of work or you know like like playing situations and stuff that you have later or you know anticipate having later with this one i mean there is absolutely no anticipation whatsoever but you know the the good side of that is like you do have somewhat of a captive audience <laughs> you know it's uh yeah um people are uh, i think you know more inclined to check things out uh than you know if things were were more fluid
1: it's such a great album too what was your
2: artistic approach? What was your vision with this project personnel wise i you know it's it's kind of an a uh, amalgam of of a few bands that i've i've had so i wanted to 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 combine all of those uh so on the horns the horns and, and and drums uh those are members of the quartet the the record we did uh, uh in memory of things not seen and then Chris and I have done several trio records and so to combine those was you know that that was the template that that I was working with uh artistically it was just um as as all records are just kind of like a, a snapshot of what i was hearing or or you know composing at the time i um i got a um Rockefeller like commission grant from through the jazz gallery in new york Part of that is they send you to um, the, one of the houses on the uh, Pontico compound, the, the, the Rockefeller compound right outside of Cherrytown. So you're up there for two weeks to, to write and whatever, and a lot of the material came from, from that experience.
1: So talk to me about your jazz beginning. How did you get the bug? How, how did you decide and figure out that jazz was going to be a path for you?
2: The music kind of just grabbed me. I mean, I started, I started playing electric bass when I was young. And, you know, typical, um musical interest for, you know, being like 13, 14 years old. So I was really into, you know, Parliament, Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, then, you know, Prince came along and all that stuff. And co- coincidentally, I was, uh, I was into a lot of rock, you know, stuff. Um and went, went the, the route of school bands. And did that, Um actually played, you know, trombone and tuba through through high school um i ended up moving to san antonio texas my senior year in high school and there, you know their their marching bands are, are kind of based on the hbcu tradition so i was able to um actually play electric bass in the marching band and um while there there was a, a guy um uh, Michael Ward, I'm sorry. And he, he had graduated from Sam Houston uh, High School in, in San Antonio, and he'd gone to Southern University. And so he was coming back kind of doing like an outreach thing. He would have, uh, you know, gigs or, and come to the school. And he brought, like, Wes Anderson, who went on to, to play with Wynton Marsalis and stuff, and, but all the while they were really uh, encouraging, you know, people to come to Southern University, who, uh, and Alvin Baptiste was teaching there. So I went there for like a semester and it, all the while the music started, you know, started really kind of exploring jazz and you know, fusion and and stuff like this, but when I got there it was like, oh wow, this is uh this is a lot deeper than um uh, than I was, uh, you know, accustomed to or, or the from what I had heard. So um I went back left there and went back to San Antonio and got a gig at um, the Holiday Inn on the Riverwalk playing six nights a week. And it was a, um, you know, typical hotel gig. So we're doing all kinds of music. The advantage I had is there was a a pianist, pianist slash guitarist, um, Victor Paredes, and he was an avid jazz fan, you know, and he just started giving me all these records to check out. And it was a wide array of stuff it'd be like you know early music to like last exit or peter broxman and sonny shrock and stuff and um music just kind of grabbed me at that point you know and, and while i was sitting there transcribing like trumpet solos and stuff on electric bass i was like wait a minute what is the, the bass what is the bass doing so you know within a couple years i i had switched to, to double bass and, yeah, from there, I um, ended up going back to school at the University of New Orleans and then from there to New York. And, yeah.
1: Well, you, you perform with a lot of big names in the world of jazz, from Steve Coleman, Jeff Payne Watts, Jason Moran. What have you learned from those that have had so many years and that are, you know, really kind of in that legendary status in jazz? What, how did that lend to who you've become as
2: a musician? Oh, I, I think I've taken something from, from all of them. You know, uh, my my first big break was um, um, being in Betty Carter's band uh, when I first got to New York. And so being with her for like, I think it was two or three years, I mean, that was uh, an amazing experience. And I, I think, you know, the, the level of dedication, the level of, you know, attention to detail, the um, level of, of, you know, commitment playing-wise, like every time... Those those people that you speak of and and others, you know, every time they hit the bandstand, it's it's uh, it's very very for real. You know, Betty <laughs> Betty said this thing to me one time. She goes, you know what? You need to take you need to play every note like your life depends on it. And she said, you know why? I was like, why? She goes, because it does. And that is something that has has pretty much that that sentiment or that that philosophy has followed me throughout and and all of those people that you speak of have
1: that and that's the thing i always hear about her whenever anybody talks about what she talked about that there's always been such a profound nature of what she's imparted and, and passed along um talk to me a little bit about just in general what do you like the best about being a professional musician you know i mean everything's been kind of put in a different hall now because of what's been going on in the world and there's been no live music but this has given everybody kind of a minute to maybe do a little bit of self reflection so what do you like the best about it
2: i mean there, there's so many things i like the, you know it's it's like being able to to get to a point where i play with people that i love and respect the constant flow of ideas you know from those people and 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 others it's it's amazing you know and and i'm committed to to the idea of you know that everybody is is creating some good on on the planet so um
1: that's that's what i love about it you've spent a lot of time on stage and now there's obviously this absence of being uh, you know on stage and live music are there any really special memories of any magic moments anything that's happened over the years that you kind of hearken to now and think about while we wait to get back onto the live stage
2: oh man this is all of it you know i i, I really uh you know i, I think every time there, there's something memorable every every gig you've ever played there's there's something memorable about it you know being good bad or or otherwise um but no i i can't speak of of anything in particular <laughs> you know it's like I, I miss i miss being around my friends and cohorts, and I miss those. Uh, even though there's there's a little, you know, idea exchange going on musically. You know, people will send an idea to each other, and then somebody will play on and send it back to you. It's more piecemeal that way. But uh, no, I, I miss the the real time aspect of it. Too. What was
1: the first live jazz show you saw that made you think, "Man, this is something I want to do with my life"? Uh,
2: that would be the the most profound one uh maybe the art ensemble the art ensemble just totally blew my mind seeing that you know up until through school I like I didn't had when I went off to college I had no intentions of of I know I wanted to play music but I didn't think of it as being a um you know something that I wanted to do as an occupation um but Seeing seeing them and that that commitment that I was speaking about before and just I mean the whole thing was just totally mind blowing and it's like wow you know as I got more and more involved in the music everything else kind of you know the aspirations of being a doctor or going into you know some kind of you know biology field they just went by the wayside man.
1: you know when we do get back to live music and COVID nineteen calms down and. What do you hope both the musician and the audience realizes
2: from this time away from live music? Oh, I, I think that that undoubtedly we we won't take uh, anything for granted. Not that we did. I mean, I, I think that um, every musician is, is blessed to or feels blessed to be able to do what they do and you know the way that they do it. Um, but I think that it'll be probably a little more profound as, as, you know, not taking anything for granted. It's, um, you know, I mean, we went from working the majority of the year last year to this. I mean, it's like, whoa. And you, we were scheduled with, with, uh, the Branford Marsalis Quartet. So we stopped in the beginning of March, but we had dates through, um, spring of 2021. So um, to have that rug kind of pulled out of you, and just in terms of uh, playing-wise, it's yeah. So I think coming back, there'll be everybody will be a little more appreciative of you know the moment. I think the music will probably reflect uh, people being more in the now.
1: You know, the one thing that's really kind of blown me away during this time and covering jazz for as long as I have is sometimes periodically I'll ask a musician how healthy is jazz and and whatever year it is. And I've been doing this since 2011 and there's always a a variety of answers, but I never have to ask that again. And that's because every single musician I've interviewed since COVID began, the amount of shows that just one musician has had to cancel is staggering. And I, I think it should be a testament when we do get back that people should know that
2: jazz has always been as strong as it's ever been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, certain things get it kind of uh, misconstrued in terms of like, you know, uh, comparing jazz or improvised music, for that matter, um, you know, with with kind of a, a more pop paradigm, and it's 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 really just like a total totally unfair comparison. So if you take that out of the situation. Um, yeah, it's, it's always been, you know, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily been a music that had broad, you know, the, the kind of mega appeal that we saw from, you know, anything else from maybe, I don't know, the Beatles on, it's never had that. So, um, in terms of, of where, where it's at, I, I, yeah, it's as strong as ever. Everyone has a
1: perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, that you're the one that's living your life. Who do you
2: think you are? Oh, I do, man. I, somebody, of, a friend of mine's behavioral economist was asking, there's a a, a um, uh, exercise that they do. And they, they keep asking that over and over. And I'm I me. Mean, you know, I, I don't know how to contextualize it. I have, I have nothing to base it on. So, you know, or or anything outside of myself to compare to. So, uh, I am me. I
1: like
0: it, man. Eric, thank you for taking some time out. Thank you for the music. I've always been a fan. It's been a pleasure to talk to you.
2: Joe thank you very much
0: man. Thanks for listening And tuning in To another Neon Jazz interview Where we give you A bit of insight Into the finest players In New York LA Kansas City And spots all over the world Giving fans all that jazz Thanks to Eric For his time Music and story If you want to hear More interviews Go to Famous Interviews With Joe Domino In the iTunes store Visit NeonJazz At YouTube.com And for everything Neon Jazz all the time Go to the com. Until next time Enjoy the jazz My friends
2: Neon Jazz.